Good morning. Yes, there you go. Thank you. Hey, I'm glad everyone is here. Uh, this is uh, a service that we do typically just once a year, uh, sometimes twice, but uh, it's one of my favorite, uh, I think probably baptisms are my favorite uh, service, especially when we get to do them outside. It's always fun uh, taking people underwater and having them fearful that they might not come back up. Um, so baptism services are pretty, uh, pretty awesome, and uh, I love this service, which is just called Share Your Story or Celebration Sunday. And as Rob was praying earlier, uh, some of you might not have actually known that we're doing this uh, today, and that's okay. Um, but what we do once, twice a year is just take time to uh, hear stories of what God is doing in people's lives. And it's not to make much of uh, ourselves or make a big deal about, uh, you know, us. Uh, but it's to just celebrate and say, hey, God's at work in my life, and we're not sharing life stories of, you know, what happened when you were an infant and someone dropped you on your head and all the trauma that caused, and uh, it's just to say, you know what, over the last two weeks, over the last two months, over the last year, six months, somewhere in between, I've just really seen God moving in my life in new, refreshing, unique, powerful uh, ways. So uh, i plant that seed of um, maybe God would have you today uh, share a story, and you might say, well, I'm not really much of a public speaker. Um, you know, uh, that's, that's quite all right, so uh, neither am I. So uh, I would in, invite you certainly just to think about um, how God would use what he's doing in your life, uh, maybe to inspire uh, or encourage or bless or challenge uh, someone else, because I've often found that um, what God is uh, taking others through and when I hear that and I see how they're responding and reacting and, and just ultimately what God's doing, I find great encouragement and just blessing from God at work in other people's lives. So certainly be thinking about uh, what God would have you share um, as a testimony to him and as a way to bless um, uh, the folks that are here today. Uh, pretty excited. Uh, we've got, um, as you came in on your chair, uh, our new life group uh, trimester is starting in a few weeks. And the whole church, we haven't done this before, but the whole church is going to be uh, walking through uh, the same study. And it's a study called the Gospel-Centered Life. Uh, we do all of our sign-ups online. We've got a table back uh, by that mirror over there in the corner or in the side of the room uh, with life groups. And you can actually sign up uh, today for a life group. We've got 10 different life, or 11 different life groups uh, meeting on different evenings of the week in different towns and homes. Some life groups will meet here. Uh, but I'm very excited because... Uh, this is going to be, uh, I think, a very transformational um, couple months for our community. So I would really encourage you, uh, if you've never been in a life group, it's four, five, six, eight, some odd people getting together each week uh, to talk about God, to take a look at God's Word, to pray for one another, to encourage one another, to build relationships with one another. So I would definitely encourage you, if you've never done it, let this be a trimester where you say, hey, for the next 12 weeks, uh, I'm going to sign up and see how this goes. And if you haven't been in a life group in months and months and months, uh, let this be uh, the trimester where you say, hey, uh, I'm going to get myself back engaged in community uh, with other people. Um, next week also, just to let you know, uh, we're doing this once a month right now, is uh, we do community luncheons. And so I would encourage you, obviously, come to church, bring some friends with you. And um, following church, we'll have uh, some lunch and uh, talk about some of the things that are currently happening, some of the things that are upcoming. So um, this morning I was, uh, I was reading, uh, just daily reading, 
uh, and I happen to be in, in Genesis uh, chapter 11. And, um, you know, we just finished this series called I. And the whole heart of the I series uh, was to say, you know what? We have a choice. We can make our lives about us where we're at the center, an I-centric life. All of the decisions, all of the commitments that we make, all of our actions and reactions, behaviors and attitudes, are co- just all of these things, they're either going to be driven by I at the center of my life or they will be driven by God at the center. And so we spent, I think, six weeks talking about let's not make life about us. And so in my reading this morning, I was uh, in Genesis uh, chapter 11, and uh, this is a story, a very quick story in Genesis chapter 11. It says, now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As men moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. That's Babylonia. And then verse 3, chapter 11 of Genesis, it says, They said to each other, Come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. And they used bricks instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens, so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. There was a conversation that took place thousands and thousands of years ago when some people gathered, um, and I love in verse 3, they just said, they said to each other. At this moment, it's like, what are they going to say to each other? Someone's got to have a plan or a purpose of what they're going to do and how they're going to lead other people into that plan. And the plan was, we want to build a city that when people look at this city, they will see this specific tower and they will be in awe of us. They will be in awe of who we are as a people. They will come to this city and they will look at this tower and they will bow down, so to speak, and say, wow, these are some impressive people who built such a a great city with such a great tower. They said, come, let us build ourselves a city so that we can make a name for ourselves. The whole heart of the I series was, let's not do that. Don't live life to make much of you. Live life to make much of God. A lot of us sometimes get to a place in life and we're like, why are things not going the way I thought they would be going? And we find ourselves confused or frustrated or even angry. Relationships aren't working out. Uh, Other things just around us just don't make sense. And it's at that point you ask yourself the question, well, I wonder if it just doesn't make sense or I'm frustrated or confused or just baffled, bewildered at what's happening in my life because I'm actually at the center of my life. All of the decisions and things that I've said yes to, things that I've said no to, commitments that I've made, ultimately they were driven because I am still at the center of my life. And I will challenge you, if you are still at the center of your life, it will be a mess. You will, you will miss joy. You will miss blessing. You will miss contentment. And ultimately, you'll miss everything that God has in mind and God has in store for you. So I'm not trying to rehash an entire six-week sermon series, but I do want to challenge myself and challenge us. I can live my life to make much of me, uh, which is a shallow, empty life, or I can make the decision, make the declaration that says, I will make much of God. I will let the decisions that I make, and I mean every decision, from where I work and where I, I play and where I live and and how I spend my time and who I spend my time with, I will filter everything through 
what I will just call a 230 principle. And 230 principle um, is in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30. It just says this promise. And the promise says, he who honors me, I will honor. And you can filter every single choice, decision, action, response, commitment, yes or no, investment, through is what I am about to do, will it be honoring to God? And if it's not honoring to God, then don't do it. Because if you press on and say, well, it doesn't matter, then I is at the center of your, of your life. So I hope that we collectively as a community will make a declaration to say, I'm done with low living and living for I, and we collectively will say we're going to live for he. We will live for him. Uh, we will not make much of ourselves. We'll not try to make much a name where people will come to this place or see our lives and be impressed. But they will come and see who is this God that is changing and transforming people's lives. So one of the reasons we're even doing Share Your Story today is I was pretty convinced a couple months back I was hoping and praying uh, that God would really be transforming some people's lives, so much so where there would be even some declarations today just to simply say, I was an eye-centric person, and I'm done with being an eye-centric person. I'm going for a Christ-centric, a God-centric lifestyle. The early church uh, in the book of Acts, they were phenomenal at uh, many things, but one of the things that they were phenomenal at uh, was telling the story. And it wasn't their story, it was the story of God at work in their life. And uh, if you have a Bible, uh, open up to uh, Acts uh, chapter 4. Actually, Acts uh, chapter 5. And there's some phenomenal things that are happening. This used to just be a band of about 12 guys. Uh, Then one chose to end his life, and there was 11. And then the 11 began to spread the word, and there was a community of about 100, 120 people. And then Jesus, when there was about 120-some-odd people that were following him, looked at this very small community. It looks like there's roughly 90 to 100 people, so almost a community, something like this. And he said, go change the world. Go make disciples of all of the nations. Tell people of the good news of God at work that God has come because he loves, he's come to redeem and restore and rescue, reconcile people back to himself. And he gives them a mission, a mandate to go out into the world uh, with the message of the good news of the gospel. And they do that. And not too long after that, uh, this band of 120, they found a preacher amongst them. His name was Peter. And Peter stands up and tells people about God. And God is alive, he's living, he's active and he loves. He's come to be in relationship with his creation. And something phenomenal happens when he preaches this message in Acts 2. The people were cut to the heart. And they say, if this is who God is, and if this is what God has done, what should we do? And Peter's response in Acts chapter 2 just said simply, stop living for yourself. Repent. Don't walk that way. Now walk this way with God at the center of your life. That was his response. And Three, 4,000 people made a decision to say, all right, we were headed that way, but now we're walking this way. And there was just phenomenal stories taking place when thousands of people were making a decision to walk with God. The apostles, meaning the leaders, the pastors of uh, the church in the first century, this is Acts chapter 5, verse 17. Then the high priests and all his associates 
who were members of the party of the Sadducees. These were the religious guys. They were not in favor of this new thing called uh, Christianity. Verse 17, this party of the Sadducees, they were filled with jealousy, and they arrested the apostles, and they put them in public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. And this was the mission. This was the mandate. This was the message that this angel from God who came to rescue them from a jailbreak, uh, he says this in verse 20, go, stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people the full message of this new life. It wasn't go expound on every single doctrine, every single theological principle, just go tell people of this message of this new life that you have. You don't have all of the answers. You don't even have all the questions to figure out to ask yet. But you know that you have new life because God has infused new life in you. And go and tell people. And what's amazing is they were arrested in the temple courts. And the angel says, go back to the very place you were just kicked out of and keep telling people the message of this new life that you have. Bless you. I believe that there's a lot of newness of life here in our community. Some of us, uh, some of you have made a decision years and years and years ago to walk with God, to turn away from making much of you and turning to making much of God. Some of you have made that decision even in the last few weeks or last few months. If you're here today uh, and you have a story to share of God at work in your life, where you just publicly want to say, God, I thank you for this, or I thank you for that. It doesn't have to be a 10-minute message. It could be a 10-second God, I just want to say thanks because I, I sense your presence in my life in a new way, and that's it. So I'm going to pray, and uh, I always offer this challenge. By the time I'm done praying, I would love to have someone uh, sitting in the chair uh, ready to go uh, to share a story. It's always hard being the first person to go, but um, maybe God would have you be that person to come first and uh, kind of break the ice and share, share your story of God at work. Uh, and please know, I know, I know what it's like when you're sitting there, like, I really want to share, but I'm, I'm scared, I'm nervous, I might babble or, or ramble. Uh, again, welcome to my life of babbling and rambling. Um, just know that God might use you today and what he's doing in your life to inspire someone else to change or to encourage them. So please know it's not about you, you're not making much of yourself, but God at work, and God will use your words to be a blessing to someone else who might be here today and they're just hurting and they need to hear stories of God at work in people's lives. So Father God, I pray, I give thanks first and foremost, God, that you love. God, that you have set your affection on every single person that is in this place today. God, I thank you that you loved us first and not because there was anything in us that was lovable, but because of who you are, you chose to reach out to us, to reconcile us that we would have a right relationship with you. God, I thank you for uh, the words of Scripture that just say anyone who is in Christ, anyone who has a relationship with Jesus, is a brand new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. So God, I give thanks that you are at work uh, in my life. God, that you are work in lives of people that are here today. God, I give thanks that we are such a new church,
but we already have stories of you at work in our midst. So God, would you please bless the stories that would be shared today. And God, I pray that we would hear well what you have to say to us today through these stories. So God, would you please open wide our hearts, open wide our minds. God, please protect us from silly things of of being jealous of what you're doing in someone's life that we don't sense you doing in our lives. God, let there be a great, overwhelming sense of encouragement and blessing and challenge and inspiration uh, in our midst today. And God, these are stories about you at work, and let our focus, let our hearts, let our minds be to give you thanks and to give you praise because you are a God who is alive, who is active and is working in us, with us, and around us. We celebrate that and we give you thanks. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Jennifer Bates. So when I knew this was coming up, I was like, I feel like everyone's already seen a lot of me, but I wanted to get up and just share a little bit about what God has been doing in my life. Um, For years, um, my identity has in part been shaped by things I've carried with me from my past and things that I didn't see a way that that could be any different. Um, And I knew that God was powerful, but I just said, this is who I am, and I don't understand how that can be changed. And I think in the last um, nine months to a year, God has really been showing me and teaching me that my identity is primarily defined by the fact that I'm his daughter and what a precious truth that is for me and for each of us, that we are um, sons and daughters of God. Thanks, Jennifer. Just so you know, I'm not going to like try to kill the awkward silence and make jokes. So I'm cool just to sit up here for the next hour long. So <laughs> no one comes up, I'll just read my Bible to myself. <laughs> Mr. John. Um. I don't really figure out how to use a microphone, but uh, um, just to, I guess real quick what uh, God's doing in my life and then kind of where I see God leading our community um, in some ways. I think for me, uh, it's been a process more recently where I've really felt that, um, uh, you know, God's just been moving in my life, um, challenging me to grow in discipline and really just step up and be a real man. Uh, I think for a lot of my life, I've, I don't know, I've, I'm very competitive, and so I've really done, it's been an ongoing gift comparison. Like, God, why did you gift that person in that way, but not me? Or why did you uh, bless someone with that opportunity, but not me? And so what I think God's been doing in my life is really saying, don't worry about other people, John. Worry about what I've set in front of you and the challenges that I've put in your life. And um, step up and, and be a man about it and, um, and uh, keep growing and keep moving forward. And... Um, so that's what's going on in my life. It's been a, a real time of growth and uh, a blessing for me just to have God working in my life and to see God working in other people. Um, as well, too, I was uh, one of the things I get to do um, frequently, which is a real blessing for me, is to meet with Michael. 
and um, I was meeting with him earlier this week, and Michael just said something that has kind of stuck with me since then, and it's just a simple phrase of God has more. Um, and as I think about us as a community, that's really something that resonates with me. It's just the idea that God has more for us than where we currently are right now. Um, and so, you know, just accepting that at an, at an individual level and saying, you know, God has more for me if I will follow God's will in my life. He has more for me than I would actually have for myself. Um, looking at that and viewing other people in that lens as well. And, you know, I look at all of you, and I, I love you guys, but I look at you guys and I say, God has more for you than where you are right now as well. Um, and then specifically, too, just looking at the people that I know that, um, you know, aren't living a life of faith, aren't in church, don't have a, a relationship with God. And I hear a lot in this area about how unchurched and how uh, New England is just, uh, you know, a place of liberal heathens that hate God. And I just, I look at the, the people in my life who, who aren't um, walking with God, and I just don't see them like that. I don't see them as the enemy. I look at them, and I just, I truly believe that God has more for them than, um, than what they currently have right now, and I believe that God wants more for them. And so that's really something that I'm going to hold on to, you know, as long as I'm alive, as long as I'm here, is that the people in my life that don't know God, God has more for them too. And, um, and so just to kind of uh, wrap this up here, but just relay this into the upcoming life groups. Um, we're doing the gospel-centered life. And um, when you talk about God as more, well, more of what? And so I think it's a matter of, you know, uh, like we talked about yesterday in the leaders meeting uh, for life groups, you know, as we uh, learn more about God and we learn to uh, diminish ourselves, uh, Jesus' place in our life really grows and the cross grows in significance. And, um, and the Spirit takes over in our lives, and we're able um, uh, to get past things like Jen was just talking, or Jennifer was just talking about. And um, I, I guess I would just challenge you that if you, you, if you doubt whether or not God has more for you, if God wants you to grow, to join a life group and take a look at the leaders that we have here who are leading the life group and just see what God is doing in their lives. And I just, uh, you know, I look through the people here who are leading the life groups, and um, you know, God's working in Noah's life and Dan's life and Mike's life. I'll just talk about the men um, there. Um, you know, if you join one of their life groups, you're going to be challenged to grow, and you're going to see God at work in their life, and you're going to want that for yourself. So, Thanks, John. That's all I've got. That's great. As uh, John was just sharing, um, the Lord just brought a verse to mind, and, it's, uh, and I hope as you hear John... Um, uh, you will be convinced as you walk in life uh, that God is bent on doing good to you. Uh, and this is uh, a promise that uh, God gives um, in the book of uh, Jeremiah, uh, verse, chapter 32, uh, verse 40. Uh, it says, I will make an everlasting covenant with them. I will never stop doing good to them, and I will inspire them to fear me so that they will never turn away from me. I will rejoice in doing them good and will assuredly plant them in this land with all of my heart and soul. I just Verse 40, I will make an everlasting covenant. I will never stop doing good to them. That's why I personally want to live a God-centric life because the God that has invited me, saved me, rescued me, and invited me to be in a relationship is just bent on overwhelming me with his goodness and his presence. And um, so, John, thank you for, for sharing that. DJ. God is at work in our lives. Um, 
I actually have a great opportunity to, to lead a life group uh, this next trimester. And um, yesterday, as we had our, our meeting, you know, I went home last night and I was just praying about um, what I could share today. Because a lot's been happening in my life over the past couple of months. Um, but I just even get nervous sometimes and just like get all jumbled. And I'm like, but God, now you have something for me to share today. And so um, a big thing for me was I came to Genesis kind of recently, uh, August of, the, of last summer. Um, and when I came to Genesis, you know, last night I put down, you know, a couple of phrases like God at work in our lives and like what is our center. And I know when I came here, like my center um, was unforgiveness, stubbornness, trust issues, and, and resentments. Um, you know, God was a center sometimes, but it was more of a convenience thing. It wasn't just that, you know, every day I got up, you know, praising God, like it's going to be a good day. I just let a lot of other stuff just kind of like take hold of my heart. And um, by doing that, um, you know, my life suffered in a lot of areas, um, and actually in all areas, not just some areas. And so um, as the fall went on, I got to get closer to Genesis. Um, you know, God challenged some things about me with my job, about, you know, maybe changing, moving on to a different job, different things like that. But I, would, I didn't really want to hear it yet. Um, and so uh, October 30th, 2009, um, I lost my job. And it was a huge thing that day. I remember just leaving uh, work. And never in my life being in that kind of position, ever. Um, you know, I always had something lined up. Something was always in, in its place. You know, I always had that security that, that you know, I could handle things on my own. Um, and I was just like, I have nothing right now. And uh, it, was a, it was an intense feeling, but at the same time, it was, there was freedom in that. Um, I remember as the days went on after that, uh, I met with Michael a lot, talked to a few people in here. Um, I just remembered just the freedom that I had from that. And I didn't, and I didn't think it was going to be that. Because um, I can stress out a lot and get really anxious. Um, when my world's not the way I think it should be, you know, I, I get, I just have a lot of anxiety. And I want it perfect. I want everything's lined up right in a row. Um, you know, I want to know that I'm in control. And so it was just phenomenal as those weeks ensued. Um, I was able to join the men's life group, which I would really wanted to do. Um, and I became able to help people out here in the church and back home with my parents. You know, God used so many different events and so many people to just speak into my life to let me know that, like, you know what? Like, it's okay that you don't have control. Um, you know, and he really got to show me, like, where, where does true peace lie? Does true, does true peace lie in just, like, having a good job, having money, having a car, those kind of things, those possessional things? Or does true peace lie with just my relationship with me? Um, and so I want to read a verse that kind of spoke to this testimony uh, this past couple months. It's uh, Matthew 11, 28, and 30. It goes, come to me, all you are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for my souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And those verses just have resonated the past couple months for me. Um, as I've learned to just kind of expand my vision of what my life can be. You know, it used to be really limited. Like, when God's not my center personally, it's just my life is so limited. And I've realized that more over the past couple months. It's just that, you know... What, what was I really living for? And I wasn't living for much. Um, so I can think back not too long ago when the days were just real depressing. And I, I, you know, I'd come home, like, I just had the same exact day I've had for the last couple months. You know, just things were so mundane and so boring. Um, you know, I'm just really encouraged to lead a, a life group. I'm really encouraged by learning what, what a center of God really is like in my life because I know what it wasn't like. And that's, I'll always keep fresh in my mind. But I'm just excited to expand my vision to be part of this church and just, and just to, to learn more what it is to, to have a humble heart and to let God have the yoke today. Um, so just thank you for this opportunity to speak. Thanks, DJ. Hey. All the way back from Colorado. I know. Welcome back. Thank How was you. Christmas? It was awesome, actually. Nice. Did Chris get you a good present? Yes, he did. What did he get you? Perfume. 
perfume. Uh, All right. Well I don't done. think it's because I smell bad or anything, but <laughs> I didn't want to say Maybe anything. It was sincere, but you know. Um, I'm glad you're back. Thank you. Um, my name's Dara, and I think God has really moved in my life within probably the past three weeks, but it started from the time that I met my husband. And my family structure is one where my parents are biologically my parents, but not emotionally at all. Um, and for years, I forced that. I forced them caring for me and feeling as if I was always connected with them. And the first time I felt that unconditional love was when I met my husband who no matter what I did, I mean, he just loved me. And it was, when we were over in Colorado for Christmas, it was the first time that we had spent two consecutive weeks just with Chris's family. And it was the first time that I felt family. And I think for a while I had always looked at that biblical view of my brothers as just, oh, that's something in the Bible. But I realized that I don't have to keep pushing the vision of what I think my family should be, that it's just the people who love me. And I noticed that with Chris's mother just wanting to know about me. And I realized that I'm having friends who are coming out of the woodwork who just love me for me. And I'm not the one who has to force the family anymore. So I've been learning really a lot. And actually, I think I just realized that today, that Family doesn't have to be biological. I don't have to force my parents to love me and to be my parents. It just has to be anybody who does love me. So it's kind of new for me to embrace that biblical view of brothers and sisters not being biological, but just the people who are in your life that love you. And in turn, I love them, and I'm open and honest with them. So I think that's a really big turning point because it's been the thing that's defined me for 16 years as always being the one trying to be the glue and trying to be the love in the family and I have Chris's family who loves me and I have friends who love me and that's my real family I have my biological family but I also have my spiritual family and that's a really new thing for me mm. so. Okay, so um, last night I was sleeping and I woke up and um, I used to write a lot of songs when I was younger, but I didn't really, I haven't really gotten around to that in a while. And no, I'm not going to sing for you, <laughs> just so you know. Um, but I want to read you just the words um, that kind of came out. I've been doing a lot of thinking lately. And um, this is kind of where my heart desires to be right now. It's not necessarily where I am with God. Um, but I'd ask you all to pray for me. I'm going to spend the next three days um, kind of on a spiritual retreat by myself with friends that I don't <laughs> see often. Um, so, but hopefully I'll have a lot of alone time. So anyway, so when I think things, I text them to myself. So that's why the phone. <laughs> um, anyway. So basically says this, my heart breaks how long it takes waiting for you to come. My mind is full. I desire to know if you really are the one 
or should I wait for another? It was so long ago, I don't know if I'll ever come back. Uh, I hold hope so I can cope and I don't have a heart attack. Should I move on and weather the storm of my soul? But you said you would come. You said you were the one. I want to believe you. You said you loved and that you went above because you wanted to bring me to you. So how do I go on living? How do I keep believing? But I'll hold to the words you said. I'll hold to the way you led. And I'll hold to the faith you gave. And I hold to the spirit to save. I hold on to you. I don't know how faith grows, but I think that mine is. My heart believes and my soul cleaves to the God who lives. So I will wait for you. And then it uh, just goes back up. <laughs> to, you said you would come. You said you were the one, and I want to believe you. You said you loved, so you, and you went above because you wanted to bring me to you. How do I go on living? How do I keep believing? I hold on to the words you said. I hold on to the way you led. I hold on to the faith you gave and the spirit that you sent to save. I hold on to you. I hold on to you. Suze, let me uh, pray for you right now. So, yeah. Father God, thank you for just Suze, that uh, you are at work in her life. And uh, God, she's specifically asked uh, that we, uh, her community, uh, spiritual family, uh, just be praying uh, for her. So we do that now. And God, I pray these next three days would be uh, powerful. God, I just pray she would uh, connect with you. She would hear your voice. Uh, so God, please, I know that you are very generous. And I pray that uh, Suze would experience your generosity uh, in these next uh, few days. Uh, so God, as uh, she would uh, head up to the mountain, so to speak, I just pray, God, that um, uh, she would have a great, uh, unhindered view of you. Uh, God, that her ears would hear uh, everything that you would have to speak to her, uh, to challenge her with, to encourage her with, to bless her with. Uh, God, that she would literally come back uh, over this, uh, by the end of the week, uh, very much so looking different because uh, she met with her creator. So uh, God, do a good thing, do a great work uh, with Suze, but please uh, be generous to her in these next few days as she seeks your heart. Uh, God, please reveal your heart, your ways, your will, your plans, your purpose uh, to Suze. And we give you thanks for that and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Suze. Hi, um, I'm just going to say, um, I think that God's really been teaching me a lot lately, um, just about um, females and just um, outward beauty and image and um, just really how God loves us and how just the inside of our hearts really counts a lot and how our inward beauty is more beautiful than anything on the outside. Um, and I think I've just been convicted of just, you know, I sat in a coffee shop with a girl the other day and I went through, hey, let's write down all the lies that we've been told. Um, and it was like a whole page full of lies um, that we've been told by culture, that we've been told even in church circles. Um, and so I just felt like really convicted um, after Susan shared that, that um, a lot of lies have been constructed. Um, and so I then took Psalm 139 and said, all right, so what are the truths of the Bible? And the girl started to be like, wow, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made and just never knew that that's really her value and her worth. And so I think I've been really convicted of just deriving our strength from Christ and inward beauty versus um, looking at people on the outside and always judging, assuming on the outside. Um, so that's pretty much what I've really been challenged with. 
Um, but God really just laid on my heart to share with you um, Proverbs 4 um, today. And I tried to like memorize some of it, but then I'm probably going to get a little um, on the end. So um, I'll just go ahead and try to see. Listen, my sons, pay attention and gain understanding. I do not give you sound learning, so do not forsake my teaching. When I was a boy in my father's house, still tender and an only child of my mother, he taught me and said, lay hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commands and you will live. Get wisdom, get understanding. Um, Get wisdom, get understanding. Do not forget my words or swerve from them. Do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. Uh, let me see. Love her and she will watch over you. Let me see. <laughs> Here, I guess. Um, wisdom is supreme, therefore get wisdom. Um, though it costs all you have, get understanding. In, esteem her and she will exalt you. Embrace her and she will honor you. She will set a garland of grace on your head and present you with a crown of splendor. Listen, my son, accept what I say, and the years of your life will be many. I guide you in the way of wisdom and lead you along straight paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hampered. When you run, you will not stumble. Hold on to instruction. Do not forget it. Guard it with well, for it is your life. Do not set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evil men. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn from it and go on your way. For they cannot sleep until they do evil. They are robbed of slumber till they... Um, make someone fall. They eat the bread of uh, wickedness and drink the wine of violence. The path of the righteous is like the gleam of dawn shining ever brighter um, till the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. My son, pay attention to what I Say, listen closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For it is life to those who find it and health to a man's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Put away perversity from your mouth. Keep corrupt talk from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Make level paths for your feet and take only ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. Um, and I think in learning that verse, I think we all learn the verse, above all else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of um, life. And I think we always forget the whole context it's in. Um, and I think God's been really convicting me that we can just put one verse on a bulletin board, but it really doesn't mean a lot if you don't see it in total context. Um, so that's just really what God's really been speaking to my life and my heart. Thanks, Lori.
Rebecca Gore. Hi. I'm a little chilly, so I stole my coat on. Forgive me. But um, I definitely, my environment, as far as marriage goes, tells me really negative things. Um, <laughs> not like my environment, but you know, like work, not like where, anyways. <laughs> Let's start again. Hi, Becca Gore, how are you? Hi, I'm Becca Gore. I recently got married. <laughs> I'm really, sometimes I'm really bad at trying to like say, you know, get across my point, so forgive me. But um, let me start over. Uh, <laughs> it's been a blessing to be in a Christian marriage. Um, I see people, or a lot of my coworkers are either divorced or, um, you know, they've had their husband cheat on them or whatnot. You hear endless stories about that. And um, I wanted to share something really positive about my marriage. And um, I got married in August, so it's new. But um, I, I personally struggle with chronic pain every day. So I have a lot of good days and I have a lot of bad, really bad days. And um, it's been a blessing to have someone um, as a team come alongside me. And when I'm, you know, really down and discouraged, point me back to God. And um, that's just a blessing to have someone, you know, constantly looking after me and um, encouraging me. And um, Joe gave me this book for Christmas that I've been reading um, and it's called it's by Philip Yancey, and it's called Where's God When It Hurts? Because I've definitely been struggling with the why question of, you know, what the heck, God? Why Why am I always in pain? And it, sometimes I spiral into, um, you know, just being negative because, um, you know, my pain just kind of takes over sometimes, and then I see everything through a negative light. And um, so Joe gave me this book, um, and um, God's been really speaking to me through it. And one of the things that um, he's been telling me, or one thing that I learned from Job, I guess, the book of Job, is that, um, you know, Job suffered a lot. And um, through all that, Job kind of comes to a point where he does question God, why, why, why? And God's response to Job is not of, okay, I'm going to tell you why this is happening. But he says... Back to Job, he kind of tells him who he is. You know, he tells him he's the God of the universe, and he proceeds to tell him a long, um, you know, explanation of, you know, I, you know, send down the, the lightning and the thunderbolts, and, you know, you can read it in Job. I don't know the exact, um, you know, uh, chapter verses. But, and so my current challenge and what God is trying to, you know, work in my life is what not to answer why, I kind of always want to know why in the explanation because I'm a I was a science major and I seem to always, you know, examine things till I figure out why things occur and the cause and whatnot. But um, <laughs> so um, I haven't learned why things occur in my life or why there's so much pain and suffering. But God's challenging me to, you know, tell me or what is my response going to be, um, and. God can really use you if, um, you know, you're really just, what is my response? Is it going to be bitterness and anger and frustration of trying to understand why? Or am I just going to deal with it and try to have a positive response and see where that can lead me and what God can use me for? So that's what I've been learning, and that's my challenge right now is what my response is going to be to my um, suffering, specifically physically with pain. So.
Like if I can, let me pray for you real quick. You guys would pray with me. Father God, thank you uh, just for Becca. Thank you for uh, just being at work in her life. I give thanks, God, for uh, the gift that marriage uh, has been to Becca and I know to Joe. Uh, God, I pray that they would continue to uh, just grow and increase in their love for one another. And even more, God, that they would grow and increase in their love for you. Uh, but God, we've uh, prayed for Becca um, on numerous occasions. God, we know that um, you spiritually heal in so many ways, God, that you can heal uh, and mend uh, broken hearts. God, you can, uh, as Lori even shared, you can uh, heal minds that have been um, just lied to. And uh, God, you can uh, set free uh, and heal uh, hearts and minds and souls. Uh, but God, we also know that you are the creator of all and that you can uh, physically heal people as well. Uh, so God, right now, just I, I pray uh, in Jesus' name and his power and his authority that there would be a great uh, healing uh, for Becca. Uh, God, that your power and your presence would uh, just rest upon her. Uh, God, her suffering has been um, great and it has been long and it has been uh, through the years. And so God, I just pray you would do a significant um, work, a significant healing uh, in Becca. You've done a great work in her heart in drawing her heart to you. Um, and God, we ask that you would do a great work in uh, healing uh, so much of the pain that she uh, suffers with and lives with uh, every day. Uh, God, we know you can do that, and I pray in Jesus' name that you would. And God, I pray also that uh, she would just see you uh, through all of these things, God. Uh, I know uh, she's talking about Job, that um, God, he had heard of you, uh, but he saw you through his pain and through his suffering. So I pray that uh, Becca's vision of you would increase uh, in her life. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Suzanne Zickel. This is Suzanne Zickel, and she is awesome. Not that no one else is awesome, but she's awesome. Um, and you haven't seen Suzanne in uh, a while uh, because she's been hanging out over in Africa. And um, I think it was in January of 2009. Uh, I remember praying for uh, Suzanne uh, with Genesis shortly before that, sometime in November, December. Uh, I'm getting old, so I forget my dates. Um, and uh, I, I'm just really thankful that you're here today, uh, that people can obviously get to see you and uh, hear uh, some of the things that God's been doing uh, just with you. But uh, I sent uh, Suzanne, uh, I think, an email yesterday or the day before um, just encouraging her that uh, I'm really encouraged. Obviously, I love some of the things that Suzanne is doing. She's been doing some missions work through um, uh, a community called Mercy Ships and they just do some phenomenal things of coming alongside people holistically, spiritually, mentally, and, and Suzanne does some pretty awesome things physically, uh, medically speaking. Um, so I was definitely encouraged by that, um, and she's got stories. Really, you came up so I could talk about you. So, um, <laughs> But one of the things I wanted to encourage you with publicly, uh, and so that you would also know, um, is that God uh, really loves obedience. And one of the ways that... Um, Actually, not one of the way that we communicate love uh, to God is being obedient. And so when God calls us to do something, to say something, to go, where, go somewhere or be somewhere or not do something, the way we have an opportunity to communicate love to God uh, is through obedience. And so uh, Suzanne had a pretty sweet 
setup, uh, working down at uh, Children's in downtown Boston, and had kind of the career path going. And uh, uh, God interrupted her life and said, I've got something different for you. And uh, she stepped into that, and she said yes. So, um, <laughs> so I'm proud of you, and uh, God blesses and honors obedience. So thanks for being obedient. You don't have to say anything now. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, like we said, I can't sum anything up, um, and I'm not good at, at speaking publicly, um, which I'm trying to get over. But um, I've learned a lot of lessons, and the first one, about a year ago, um, was really starting to learn that God loved me enough to find me um, even an ounce worthy of going and doing the type of work in Africa that that I felt was was required of me because um, I'm a fairly new Christian of a few years and and if I describe my life it would be wretched before that and so the first lesson in love which I think was um, the resounding lesson of all of them that I learned um, started then when I was sent out and and really if if I had to sum up the year um, in lessons because I had to learn a lot, most of which I was stubbornly um, tried not to. Um, with God loving me enough, um, I felt like he was, he was teaching me how to love in return. And it took going to Africa and, and being among um, the culture of Africans and the children in Africa um, for me to start learning what love really looks like. And I remember I read um, someone who wants to love with abandon, and I, I looked that up, and it's it's to love without consequence, um, regardless of whether it's gonna it's gonna hurt or it's gonna bring you joy. Um, God God wants us to love with abandon. Um, and this year, I had I had worked um, with children and adults with uh, end of life care, hospice nursing um, at home, and lost more children than I did adults. And talk about the the most unlikely person in the world to become a missionary was me, and the most unlikely person to be able to even face another day after a child has died is also me. Um, and God, again, just taught me with each one um, just the lesson of loving with abandon and, and loving harder and more the next time um, I encountered that. And it was through that that I learned how to find absolute joy, um, that that through despair, through all that, for, through any of that, um, and worldwide, to to love and to be open and and just you know receptive to that, you you can find the joy of God because that's His heart, um, loving and 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 being in His love is that. And I remember there were so many times where I was like, God, seriously, why am I doing this? Like after <laughs> just frustration or stuff like that, and and it was always. God, because you first loved me, I, I do this because you first loved me. You loved the most unlikely, wretched person um, and, and sent me to learn these lessons while, while staring into the you know, eyes of a child in Africa, which is awesome. Um, but yeah, it, it really was surrender and accepting the love of God um, that, that gave me abundant life. And um, I can't wait to go back next week and um, start experiencing it. I mean, obviously I experience it everywhere I go. That's a lesson that I've been able to take home, but um, yeah, just just the honor and privilege 
that that God, um, you know, he didn't choose me specifically. He told everybody to go out and, and to love thy neighbor and and um, to love with abandon and, and to do those types of things. Um, I just happened to get to do it in a cool place and, um, and, and be excited about it. Thanks, Suzanne. If I can, let me pray for you. When are you taking off? Uh, the 20th. The 20th. Father God, thank you um, just for Suzanne even being here today. Um, God, just thank you that uh, you are at work uh, in her life and just, God, that she's seen your fingerprints uh, uh, everywhere, uh, your fingerprints uh, on her life and God's things that you have been revealing and speaking uh, to her. Uh, God, I just give thanks that um, her heart has been receptive to receive from you uh, the great gift of your unconditional, overwhelming love and affection that you have uh, for her, um, for all of us, Lord. But I thank you that uh, she has embraced that and received that. And um, God, just give thanks that um, you've placed this uh, call on her life. Uh, and as she mentioned, God, we're all called to love you and to love people, uh, but you've given her a very specific uh, call and mission uh, in a very difficult place. And God, I just pray that you would uh, bless, overwhelm uh, Suzanne with your power and your presence uh, in her midst. And uh, God, I certainly pray that uh, she would enjoy the remaining days that uh, she has uh, here, um, uh, here in Boston, that uh, with the family and the, and the friends. Uh, but God, I just pray as she would uh, step uh, into and head back out to the place that you've called her to go, the place that you've called her to serve, the place that you've called her to live, uh, God, that she would be uh, hands and feet uh, of you, Jesus, that every life that uh, she touches, young or old and everything in between, uh, it would just be an extension, Jesus, of you uh, working and living through uh, Suzanne. And God, I pray that uh, she would always continue to decrease, uh, and Jesus, you would increase in her life. Pray, God, that uh, her love for you uh, would continue to grow, and we all know that can only happen as we continue to receive your love in our life. So, God, thank you for a great gift of uh, Suzanne being here today. And, uh, God, just bless her, uh, overwhelm her with your blessing. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Suzanne. I'm assuming, uh, hopefully, uh, Suzanne will be able to hang out for a little bit uh, today. But uh, if you want to hear uh, a little bit more about uh, what Suzanne's doing, and listen, if you guys want to fight, uh, take it outside. Um, if you want to hear a little bit more about uh, Suzanne and, and um, what God's doing with her and what God's doing uh, specifically with Mercy Ships and how you can partner with her uh, prayerfully, financially, relationally, uh, please talk with uh, Suzanne uh, after church today. He backed down. Wow. He's like my fighting coach, too. What's up with that, man? What are you doing? All right. All right. Chris, welcome back from Colorado. Hey, thank you. Um, that's my, I'm, I'm the perfume guy. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Dara and I have been uh, coming to Genesis since October, and um, it's been great. We've been really having a, a good time here meeting people. Um, I think Michael and I met at Chipotle, his favorite spot. Um, and, uh, Shocking, I know. Yeah. And he told me about this, and he was really encouraging about, hey, you should like get up and, and say something. And, and so I went home, and I told Darren I was excited, and I was like, man, I want to say something really profound. I want to like, what is God showing me that's like amazing, and what can I do that's just mind blowing? And uh, and 
in good wife fashion, she said, don't do that. Um, <laughs> I, uh, um, I'm a seminary student, and I'm halfway through my seminary career, and I think it's really easy for me, and a lot of the guys on the campus, but especially me, to get caught up in, I'm learning some really cool things. Um, in the process of learning cool things, I lose my childlike faith. I lose faith, you know. Um, I get to pick apart the Bible word by word, and it's pretty exciting. Um, but in doing so, I miss God. I miss the big picture. Um, and, and I think lately, God's been telling me um, very, very strongly that before I can go into ministry and be a pastor and be a leader, um, I have to follow him. And how quickly I forget that it really is about following Christ, that it really is about... Um, like in Mark 2, Jesus went up to, to Levi, and he's just like, follow me. Those two words, you know, and I, I make it really complicated. I make it, well, first I have to, you know, get the money thing taken care of. First I have to figure out where I should be at a church, you know, and I, I lose sight of the fact that um, it's two words. It's not a whole paragraph of, well, do this first, and then, then you can come follow me. Um, so that's pretty much just going down. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks, Chris. Joe Gore. Hello, Michael. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? <laughs> Pretty good. Good. Um, like uh, Laurie with the cool accent came up here and said, um, a lot of the women get lied to um, as they grow up and society tells them lies and creates lies and uh, they feel like they have to meet this, this, uh, this image that everyone's looking for. Um, in the same way society and, and Satan and the world does the same thing for men. Um, and as you guys know, I got married five, six months ago. And um, God's been working in me and, and showing me what a real man is and how to be a real man. And I never got to see that growing up. I grew up in a broken home, and I, I have a father. Um, I have a stepfather. Um, a great guy, and um, so I, I always had a father, but I never really had a dad, and I never really had a man that came alongside me, especially a God-fearing man, to say, you know, this is what integrity looks like, this is what a good husband is, this is what a good father is. Um, so I never really knew what that looked like. Um, and it, a, a father and a, and a man, it, it's it's absent in the world, and it, it's absent even in the church. Um, and even if you have a Christian dad or a Christian father, a Christian husband, um, you know, are they really men? Are they, you know, they're God-fearing, but are they good husbands? Are they good fathers? And it, it, they're so far and few between. Um, it's just such a rare thing to see nowadays. And God's working in me and showing me what that looks like. And, um, and, and that's what marriage has been doing for me. And I'm seeing what integrity is supposed to be like. And I'm seeing it's more than just getting up and going to work, but it's getting up and going to work with a good attitude, being a good worker and a good witness on the job. And um, and God's just working in me. And um, I forgot all the points that I was going to make once I got up here. <laughs> um Um, yeah, it's, it's just, God's working in me, and, um, it's just really tough, uh, you know, I'm learning that a man is not someone that messes around, uh, on his wife when he's away at work, and, um, my father cheated on my mother, and he committed adultery, and 
he taught me so much in his mistakes. He, he, he showed me what a man isn't more than he showed me what a man is. And, um, and I'm grateful for that. And, and I love my father, and I, I try to maintain a good relationship with him, even though he's not a, a good dad, and he's not a, he wasn't a good husband, and he's not a God-fearing man. I still try to maintain a relationship with him um, because I do love him, and I have to be merciful to him. And I even get persecuted within my own family for having mercy on him and loving him still. Um, but I, I see now that I was raised by my mother, so behind the good looks and the muscles, I'm a sensitive guy, and <laughs> I know Becca enjoys that, and she likes that. <laughs> but as, as I go through life, and um, I experience trials of being a husband and trials of being a man and becoming a man, and I want to curl up in a little ball and cry and call mommy, I can't do that. i got to stand. I have to provide for my wife. I have to be a man for my wife. I have to pray with my wife which is a weird thing. Marriage is a weird thing. And <laughs> before I got to that point, I was like, I'm going to be a good husband, and I'm going to pray with my wife every day, I'm going to read the Bible with her every day, and then you get to that point, and it's, it's weird. It's, it's hard. You have opposition. It's weird being vulnerable and, and sharing weaknesses and praying, and it's just it's so hard. But God is working in me, and he's showing me what, what it is to be a man and what it is to be a good husband, and... There's, there's so many lies out there. A man is not someone who can throw back a six-pack and, and burp loud and uh, hit a punching bag and, you know, and swear and, and all this. Stuff that It's just so many lies out there, and it's foolishness. It's foolishness. And the, there's just, even within the church, there's, there's, it's hard to follow a good... You know, uh, there's no one setting the way, blazing the path of this is what a man should be. And Jesus is the ultimate man. And I never understood that until I found out what a man was. A man is someone who takes responsibility, who takes the sins of his children and goes to the cross and says, I'm going to pay the price for this. I'm going to take responsibility for this. I'm going to provide for you guys. And, and Jesus has gave us the ultimate example of what a man should be and what a man is. And uh, that's just what God's been, been working in me, and it's tough. And I know that the, the man God makes me tomorrow and the husband God makes me tomorrow is the great father that my kids are going to have that I didn't have and the great husband that my wife is going to have that my mother didn't have. And um, so I just want to encourage you guys, if you guys are single, cherish that time, work on yourself, becoming a man, um, so that when you get to that point, when you do have a wife, um, you can be that much better. You can you can show what a man is, especially a godly man. And uh, guys, if you are already married, um, cherish those times of trials and tribulations because God is working in you and God is working through you to make you that man um, that you need to be. Thanks, Joe. It's uh, then just looked at the clock. It's already twelve o'clock, and we typically end our gatherings. Uh, around that time, so um, I don't know if there was uh, anyone who kind of feels that uh, heart's here in their throat and they really want to share, but Shay apparently does, and so Shay, you get the final final story. Sorry, this is really hard for me. (laughs) Share your story is something that I'm like, I sit there and I'm like, no, God's not working me. Or, no, God is, but no one cares, or does it matter to anyone else? So, um, this is me saying, God is definitely, 
just been so good and what he has done has been hard. Um, I've had lots of conversations with people where they were talking about like, just feel like I'm in the fire and like God is just taking things off of you and just making you this new person. And my analogy is like, I feel like I'm just that on that potter's wheel and God is just like taking the old rough parts of me and like smoothing them out. And then like when you get dry, like he just drenches more water on you and you're like, oh, dang it. Um, which is really like how you feel when you're in it. You're sitting there and you're like, oh, come on, God, like really, are you done with me yet? And um, the more I think about it, the more I'm just realizing like I am just a work in progress and like I'm God's just, I'm just God's beautiful mess. Like that's just what it is. Like I'm just always going to be a mess. Like I'm never going to come to the end of me as Michael was saying yesterday. And um, if you join a life group maybe in the gospel-centered thing, God, um, or the book has this beautiful picture and um, like Michael drew it out yesterday and I was sitting there and I'm like, I've always been on this pretending, performing part of my faith, <laughs> trying to be the perfect Christian or the perfect woman or something, I don't know, some fake thing that doesn't exist. And um, just recently, God has just kind of been, no, Shay, you need less of you and more of me. So that's been my challenge, just how does that work out in my life? What is he taking off of me? So that's it for now. Shay, thank you. Thank you to everyone who shared, and uh, I know there was, uh, there's probably more uh, who would be desirous to share, and uh, you can. So um, I would ask that uh, just because we'll close our time here uh, doesn't mean you can't share your story. I like how Shay just said it. Um, we can believe that no one cares and no one's interested, uh, and that's uh, not true. Um, so I pray that uh, we would always be a community. Uh, you know, we have begin, uh, which speaks to we desire people to begin a relationship with God, no matter the spectrum where you might be, and um, might be beginning for the first time or beginning anew. Uh, but we have this thing called belong, that uh, there is something deep within each of us uh, we were created within community, by community, for community, uh, meaning we were created by a triune God uh, to be in relationship with him and to be in relationship with each other. Uh, and we're not created to live alone, uh, keeping to ourselves uh, what's happening in our world. Um, so if you had something that you really wanted to share today, uh, please tell someone. Uh, hang out after church for a while. Uh, go to Chipotle for lunch and uh, swap some stories over some fine cuisine. Um, and, you know, the third aspect of our mission here, uh, we've got be begin uh, inviting people to walk with God, to belong, belonging to a community that does care, is authentic, is genuine, is real, is dynamic, is biblical, will challenge, will uh, encourage people uh, to get over themselves and get on board with what God's doing. And then the believe just speaks to, you know, the five, ten testimonies that you heard today uh, God's changing people. He's transforming people. It's because of what we believe about God that is making a difference in our life. It's not that I'm working harder at being a better person. Um, I can't self-help myself. I can't self-anything. Uh, but God at work in my life makes a difference. And it's that belief uh, that transforms uh, who we are and who God's calling us to become. Um, so we're going to celebrate uh, communion as we do each week. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up and we celebrate communion um, every week. I hope it doesn't get old for you uh, because every week we can come and we can take the bread, dip it in the wine or juice as a way to say, 
Jesus, thank you uh, for doing for me what I could not do for myself. I couldn't save myself. I couldn't work my way to you, God. I couldn't be perfect, perfect enough. I couldn't do enough good deeds. And Jesus came and lived a perfect life. He did not sin, went to a cross and paid the penalty so that you and I would not have to. And that penalty was eternal separation from God so that those who would have faith in Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection would have peace with God. Uh, there's a great verse um, in Romans 5. Um, spent some time on this uh, yesterday, but uh, uh, Romans 5 just says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, that belief, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's only one way that you and I can ever have peace with God, and His name is Jesus, and it's His work on the cross uh, that we can have peace. So, if you're a Christian, you've made a decision uh, to have peace with God through Jesus, you've made that declaration, uh, then come, take a piece of the bread and dip it in the juice or wine and say, Jesus, thank you uh, for dying for me uh, and being raised back to life so that I can have newness of life as well. So Jesus, we thank you so much for the stories uh, that have been shared. God, I give thanks that you are at work. God, I thanks that you are at work in my life and you are at work in so many people, everyone's life here, and uh, certainly the life of this community. God, I pray, God, I, I just pray that we would not make much of ourselves. God, that we would not make a big deal of who we are and what we do and when we do it. But God, we would continue just pointing ourselves and pointing one another and the people that would come and people in the city. And God, that we would just keep making much of you. So Jesus, we give you thanks that you went to a cross to pay the penalty for our sin. We give you thanks, Jesus, that we can have peace with God the Father because of what you have done for us. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.